Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Renee. And I'm Melissa. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. How are you doing today, Elle? I'm good. I had a really great Thanksgiving weekend with Fam in New Jersey. Um, and uh, I'm really sore from the Pilates class I took earlier today. <laughs> Ooh, I love having new people get excited about Pilates. <laughs> so um, this is the second Pilates class I've ever taken in my whole life. And, you know, doing what we're saying on the podcast, getting outside of my comfort zone and um, experiencing new things. But so far, I really enjoy it. And I understand and get the hype about Pilates. Um, That's like Matt Pilates. I have not graduated into the, you know, machine Pilates stuff. I don't know the terminology, but you (laughs) can help me out. The names are so funny. (laughs) It's like the Reformer, the Cadillac. The chair. <laughs> yeah. uh, is, that, is it like a the different towel. type of machine? Yeah, they're different machines. Um, so the one that you'll see oh, the most God. often is probably the reformal. That's like the flat one that you lie down on and do a lot of movements. But then they have like these bigger ones, like the tower, the Cadillac, where you just pull springs in different directions and the chair. Oh, but wow. <laughs> The names are more intimidating than the workout. The workouts are really fun. <laughs> Yeah. Uh one day, one day I'll 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 graduate to those. I'm just trying to get into like the habit of mm-hmm. going and doing it because working out is really not like my whole personality and really has only just been like a sliver of my personality. Um I can't really think of a time where I'm like, yeah, I worked out consistently like this and this is the things that I did so I'm in this like the experimental phase where I'm like yoga has always been a constant I've always liked yoga but I'm trying Mm -hmm. new things I'm trying to put in the work that we're talking about on the podcast I I was gonna say you're piloting Um, I know I've kind of fallen off the workout wagon and I'm getting back into it now and the process of getting back into a regular routine just reminds me like stay ready so you don't have to get ready because <laughs> getting back into it is truly uh it's humbling I'll just say <laughs> it's a humbling experience <laughs> for sure but it's good it's good to feel that myself get stronger again and get back to where I was so all part of the journey yeah yeah the the whole like I, I feel it in my body and you know when we're, especially these Pilates classes, people of all ages, when I see, especially women who are, you know, older than me in a different season and phase of their lives, just like how strong they are and the things that they can do. And I literally cannot do right now. Like a thing in Pilates called roll-ups where you just, I don't even know how to explain it other than just kind of pull yourself up using your core. I can't do it. And these ladies next to me are doing it with ease, but, you know, they've just reminded me it takes practice, it it takes consistency, and you'll get there, and, you know, don't be too hard on yourself um, if you're not getting it right, right away, but it just gives me, like, a really good goal to have and to work towards, 
So I don't feel bad about myself. I've like known I didn't have a good core because I've never in my life like used it. So yeah, no <laughs> laughing shit. Laughing helps. Like laughing builds your core. So you use your core all the time. <laughs> but moving on from Pilates, even though actually I didn't even ask you, how are you doing? First and foremost, my bad. <laughs> I didn't even notice, so you're fine. No, I'm great. I also had a lovely Thanksgiving. I spent it with my family, which is, I think, the first time I've done that for maybe about a decade, just because we're Jamaican. Thanksgiving is like an American holiday, and so I would just typically do Friendsgivings in New York and just see my family a couple weeks later for Christmas. So, yeah, it was like the first time back in a long time that I was with my family And it was lovely, just quality time, which is one of my top love languages. Great food. I was able to like relax a little bit and just kind of shut my brain off. And yeah, I also did just some Pilates and yoga classes. So not a diff, like our weekends are probably quite similar, even though we were in completely different parts of the country. (laughs) Yeah, that's sometimes, (laughs) that's pretty on brand. (laughs) I'm really excited for our topic this week because we are sort of unpacking or unromanticizing entrepreneurship and making the case for whether a nine to five isn't all that bad. I know our podcast is called Piloting. A lot of times people, including us, view the piloting journey as working for yourself, going it alone, being a free agent and having more control in different areas of your life or your career in that way. But it's not for everyone, and it's definitely not perfect. So excited to kind of unpack some of the less glamorous parts. Melissa, I know you maybe will have some anecdotes from your experience with entrepreneurship in the past. I've only done like free agent freelance work, but really excited to just dig into your experiences and what I've seen working with entrepreneurs directly, either like through client Mm -hmm. work or just working at smaller companies and being able to see that up close and kind of see where, where we land for both of us. Yeah, I think, um, so to set the stage, um, I have dipped my toes in entrepreneurship, uh, in terms of even going as far as having an LLC set up for a company that I was partnering with somebody else, um, on, and it was, I think there's a lot to unpack there. So we don't need to necessarily go through all the details of, why it didn't work. But I think at that period of time, it really felt like an out for what I was doing, which was that typical nine to five, even though we all know that sometimes the nine to five is sometimes 7.30am to 9pm. And so (laughs) we just, you know, in my head, I did romanticize the idea of entrepreneurship in that season of life. Because I remember having distinctive conversations of like, oh, yeah, and it's just not going to ever be like what I'm doing now because, you know, I'm burnt out from what I'm doing. And I did romanticize the idea because if anything, you have to put in more hours into starting your business. And I remember like moonlighting a lot. If you don't know what moonlighting is, it's basically working after your job and having like a second job or a third job. Um, So I was moonlighting a lot and I think I just, I really got in over my head and I very quickly realized, I think maybe four months, five months into having set up the LLC that 
at least in that period of time in my life, entrepreneurship wasn't for me. Mm. And I think the biggest thing is just like understanding what it is you want and what you're willing to sacrifice to get it. And for me, without having to necessarily go into every single detail, I just wasn't in a place where I felt like I could continue sacrificing my time. The things that I needed for my job were less about following a passion and more about having a steadier paycheck so that I can get back to being myself because I had put so much time into work. Um, And starting a business was not going to do that for me. Um, Again, I was my own, like my own story. It's, it's, my formula is not the same as other people's formula, but I have experienced the romanticizing of entrepreneurship. Um, But I still think about it. I still think about it often. um, If that is still a route that would work for me. Um, But I know you, you said you have done like the free agent, have done contracting before, but have never had an LLC. I'm yeah, assuming. Correct. Yeah, correct. Um, and it, uh, I'm curious, like, I guess to set the stage, like, is entrepreneurship something you've toyed with before? Or is that something you're like, oh, no, I completely I would totally avoid that? Oh, 100%. I have toyed with the idea. And I, I think it's still a very active idea in my head. Um, and I, I was actually going to say, before we kind of break down the unromanticizing of it, maybe we can talk quickly about what is so attractive or appears to be attractive about entrepreneurship. And I can go first. I kind of mentioned this when I was setting up the episode, but I think control is something that many people who are interested in entrepreneurship are craving, whether that is creative control over like Mm. your artistry or just how certain projects come together, like whether it's, you know, business control of, you know, these are the kind of things we will take on. These are the things we won't. These are the clients, the partners, the customers we want to target and not have that being told to you. Um, The fantasy of controlling your time more. And I think I say fantasy because part of it is true and part of it's not. I agree with you that whenever I've done kind of that work, it, does tend to be that I'm working more hours than a nine to five. But I do think that I can usually have better control over when those hours fall. And I can kind of, you know, the way like for me, the nine to five is just it's not an efficient model of like, we all have to work the same eight hours synchronously at the same time in the same location in the same building. I just feel like that's quite outdated to be frank I think if you are a morning person and you're like listen I want to wake up at 6 a.m and like get three hours of work done before anyone else even hits the office and that should be a third of my work day like why not I'm more of a night owl and so I'm someone who like come afternoon I might want a little break and then I'm happy to keep going into the later hours I, I just think there are a lot of control elements over when I work the kinds of work I want to do, the the direction of like my life, not just career, but just like how I want my life to be flexible that 
is attractive to me and that if you're working with working for someone else you don't always have that some companies give you a little more flexibility in in different arenas but a lot of times you're you're at the whim of someone else's choices you're not making those choices or calling those shots yourself so those are some of the things that are attractive to me what about you control is a really good word for what is like so like shiny about entrepreneurship because yeah you've linked it to this idea you know of flexibility of autonomy I'm glad you mentioned like creative freedom as well because Mm. at the end of the day like we're working for someone and someone is controlling our pay is controlling what goes out to market is controlling a lot um I think another thing that I think is romanticized about the idea of entrepreneurship is they always say high risk, high reward, and you are capped at your potential earnings, you know, mostly if you're working a nine to five, when you have your own business or you're working for yourself, that number gets amplified because it depends on like you again control you again have control of how much money you're able to Mm. garner for your business and that money goes if you're just a solopreneur um that money goes back to you now (laughs) it doesn't necessarily all come back to you you have to you know attribute it to taxes you have to make sure you're putting your money away for your actual business so a lot of beginner entrepreneurs don't even pay themselves until later, which I, you know, I think we talked about with Michelle, um, who was on our podcast um, a handful of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. But I think just the idea of like, I can only earn X amount of money if I stay in this field working for somebody else, even if I'm at the top of my game, even if I get the title that I want and the accolades that I want, I can only make this. Versus if I start my business and I'm a solopreneur, I like the the cap, there is like no cap almost, you know what I mean? Like you're able to make as much money as much as you're able to put in the work for it. Um, And so I think the money thing is the most romanticized part of being an entrepreneur you're like oh I get to keep the money (laughs) yeah because it's me it's my business yeah no I I completely agree with you I think that does seem so attractive and I and I know entrepreneurs and I'm glad you mentioned our episode with Michelle I'll I'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes just as a throwback for people who missed it because she was a great guest and she talked about her journey starting first a dog treats company and then pivoting to dog accessories and other lifestyle um, brands for pet owners and how that journey definitely kind of removed the rose colored glasses and that like it's something she still wants to do (laughs) but like there were a lot of realities about you know manufacturing taxes pay all of those sorts of things that once you're in the weeds, isn't just a matter of, oh, I'll just go on my own. And in two months, I'll be making my same salary or more. Like it takes people years. And I don't have the statistics, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but many entrepreneurs and small businesses fail. I think more of them fail than are successful. So 
I appreciate you reminding us that like with the reward comes a lot of risk and a lot of stress Mm -hmm. and a lot of instability. So you also have to have the right temperament or to prepare yourself for Mm -hmm. that, the mental piece of that as well. Um, you you mentioned this earlier, and there's an article um, I'll share. It's just like a um, op-ed piece from someone on Medium, and it talks about entrepreneurship and us sort of putting that like fairy tale p- version of what we think entrepreneurship is. And he says it's not for everyone. Not everyone is fit for entrepreneurship. There is a special kind of grit and appetite for risk required to be good at it. Anyone can start a business. Not everyone can make it work. That's reality. Um, and, you know, there's just this fire and this, uh, this unwaveringness, I feel like, this unwaveringness for their passion that someone needs to have in order to make things successful like there's just like a lot of unique challenges that come with starting your own business and a lot of us are equipped for it and a lot of us have the magic in us to make it work um but also a lot of us don't and that's okay too and I think it's just sort of understanding where you are in that point in life and if you're really understanding what it takes to to go all the way. Um, I see this with like athletes. I kind of compare it with athletes, right? Like so many, there are so many talented athletes in the world. There's only so many NBA teams. Let's just use basketball, for example, because it's really the only sport I know. Um, <laughs> I know basketball, so <laughs> and I, can, I can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many spots in the NBA and the WNBA. And there's only so many teams. So who's really going to make it? Um, and maybe not everyone who makes those teams are the most talented, but maybe the the most hardworking, question mark. Um, and so I, I kind of see it the same way as businesses. Like there are so many amazing businesses out there and people who are behind the businesses um, who could really go, I don't know, all the way. We can say it like that. Um but sometimes they don't go all the way and sometimes they do fail. And so, and I don't, you know, I don't know what the recipe is for success when it comes to having your small business or being an entrepreneur. But for me, all I know I can speak personally is I don't have it right now. And I didn't have it when I was dipping my toes into entrepreneurship, but I hope that eventually I do have it. And I, you know, find a fire in me to, to become an entrepreneur or, or work for myself one day. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm very much like you where I've toyed with the idea and it hasn't really like gone away mm-hmm. yet. And it's still just sort of like tickles my feet every now and then. They're like, hey, don't forget about me. Oh, well, it's like what we spoke about in our last episode about kind of hanging on to those fleeting ideas that keep showing up in our minds and just knowing, okay, even if now is not the right time to jump on this, let me not lose that thread because it's clearly something that I want to 
come back to, I think you mentioned something really interesting and I'm excited to read that Medium article too about that it's not always for everyone. And I think, I think part of like being successful, and again, this is just an opinion, obviously, if there was a clear cut answer, everyone's small business entrepreneurship dreams would take off. Clearly no one has the formula, otherwise we would all be doing it. But I I think part of it is being really honest with yourself about what your skills and strengths are and working on some of those weaknesses. And I think this is part of why a nine to five is like really attractive for many people is that it's really hard to have a combination of being both a dreamer, a hard worker, a self-starter, an executor. You know, I feel like these are all buzzwords that we put on our resumes and like we all say that we're doing these things, but it is actually really hard to be like, I have a really strong, unique idea. There is a market for it. We've done all that pressure testing. And I am someone who can execute and actually do stuff, you know, not just have the ideas, but actually put them into motion. It's, I think a lot of times those two personalities don't always function at a high level in the same person. Like someone might be like, I'm a little bit more of the dreamer idea person, but then when it comes to pulling it together, I need a lot of help and that's fine. No one says entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. has to be a solo pursuit. Or with nine to fivers, a lot of people are like, I'm really good at executing. I can get stuff done, but I'm not necessarily the person who's going to have the crazy idea that no one's heard of before. Like, I need a template. And with entrepreneurs, sometimes there's not a template. So even if you are a good executor, it's like, oh, I have to figure this out. I would rather a CEO tell me, hey, here's what we're doing, and then I can run with it. So it's just, you have to know what your strengths are. And like, if you're not strong in some of those areas, start figuring out how to get strong. And unfortunately, a lot of those things you only really learn by doing. There's not always an easy, well, I took this MBA course, or I did this case Mm -hmm. study, like sometimes it has to be oh, I'm planning the event and the vendors fell out at the last minute. So now I have to pull this thing together in 24 hours. And that's how you learn. But on that, it's like that example on a much bigger scale with your own money at stake. You know what I mean? It's just like the stakes are a lot higher. Yeah. And I mean, they say with maybe if you're not, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking about growing your company. So let's say you're in sort of like, beginning stages of having a startup, they say that, you know, there are skills that you lack. And so that's who you hire. You hire your weaknesses or you hire, I didn't say that right, but you hire the people whose strengths are your weaknesses. And then that sort of like maybe a part of the success formula to making sure like your, your business can, can thrive is, um, yes, you know, ex-CEO, we know, and founder, we know that you are not good with numbers mm-hmm. and that you're, you know, the visionary and you're a visionary type of CEO and you're not an operational type of CEO. So you, maybe your first hire has to be um, a COO or someone, a CFO or someone who can take those those things away from you so you can sort of focus on the business, the brand, the vision yeah I think there is a lot of 
just being really frank with yourself about like what you said, these are my weaknesses. And so these mm-hmm. are the areas I have to fill with technology or new hires. And I think if, if we start to think about like the unromanticizing of entrepreneurship, one of the parts that really scares me, and obviously this is further down the road, it's the hiring piece. Like when am I at a place uh. to take someone else's income and their family's income and their expectation of how much money they're going to get into my control? Because it's one thing if if I fail, <laughs> you know, that's just on me. Like I know what my savings are. I know how to crawl myself out of the hole. I can recover from my own setbacks. But it's another to feel responsible for someone else or several thousand someone else's and their families. And I feel there's, there's just so much pressure there. I was listening to some podcasts recently. I might drop one in the show notes if I can find the link. And it was actually a music artist, Jackson Wang. He was talking about just the pressure he's felt of having so many other people's, you know, their livelihoods, like, on his shoulders where he was like, when I was struggling with mental health stuff, I didn't feel like I had the luxury to be burnt out or say, Hey guys, I want to take a step back from this because that decision then impacts so many other people. And it is like, I can't even imagine the, the weight of that. In addition to all the other stuff I'm just dealing with of like doing it on my own is that I can't just change my mind. Like in a nine to five, if you're not happy, you can just leave girl or guy, (laughs) but you can't just opt out and be like, you know what? I don't feel like doing this anymore. (laughs) Everyone's like, well, what are we going to do? This is our job. The ripple effect of that. And I've seen, and you know, and and, and we talk, I forgot what episode we talked about this, but I I talked about a a previous um, like CEO that I was working for and a small business. It was like 12 of us working there and just, how I feel like the burden of being in charge of that many people, especially during a pandemic, you know, have a lot of empathy for that, right? Of like, and it's not just the the one me, you know, it, it ripples, it ripples, like it's my family, it's uh, folks with children or folks who are caregivers for their parents, like it's just like a lot, And if for me, I'm just like, if I, I know like I'm not ready to take that on, um, I probably wouldn't make a good CEO right now because I just, I don't know. I I think I would crumble under the pressure. (laughs) And that's fair. Like there's a lot of pressure. I don't, there's nothing we, I, I, I think it's amazing that more people don't, <laughs> honestly. I think there's just, there's yeah. a mental toughness or an ability to compartmentalize or I'm, I'm not even sure what it is, but. <laughs> yeah, there's something there that I, that is a weakness for me right now. So at least I know that. Um, but there's, so when I think of like, oh, I work for myself and I see successful people who work for themselves, it's very much like, we talked about this. I do that like time. I do things on my own time. Um, I want to be able 
to work for myself because it allows me the flexibility and the freedom to show up for my kids. And I mean, Eric and I have talked about this before. We don't have kids. It is something that we both um, want one day. And we talked about like, I want to be able to do this. Like we were at a basketball game this past weekend for our niece and nephew. It's like, I would love to be the kind of parent who's able to show up to all of the games and the practices and to coach them and, and do all this. And in our, the current state of how we work, like he Mm -hmm. can't do that. Like he's gone for 14 hours a day. And some days like it has to be uninterrupted because he works at a hospital. Um, And so those are the types of things, at least in my personal life where we're, we still are like, we're sort of like romanticizing the idea of that, of like, but if we work for ourselves, we wouldn't have to worry about that. And then there's like on the the flip side of that, but there are other things we have to worry about and other things and unique challenges to figure out how, like, if something fails, it's on us. Like we can't just sort of like clock out, <laughs> like, oh, it's for the day shift to worry about. Yeah. Um, or like you said, or like literally just quit. Be like, you know what? This isn't for me. Um, I'm done. Um, and it's sort of, you can't, even if you are just working for yourself and by yourself, you, I mean, you can walk away from it. You can walk away. You can change your mind whenever you want. Um, but I'm just thinking of just like entrepreneurship where you're just working for yourself and you're just like doing your own thing. And that still is something that, I don't know, you have, that's like enough, that's still like a sacrifice you're making of, no, I may not be in charge of someone's paycheck, but I am in charge of my own paycheck and my family. Yeah. (laughs) And the money thing is big. Like I, I'm someone who likes to move with my gut and what feels right. But that said, especially as I've gotten older and not that I'm like super old, (laughs) But definitely in my late 20s, I started to take money a little more seriously and being like, huh, I should really get my mind wrapped around some of these concepts. (laughs) You know, what is investing? Like, what exactly is my money doing in this like retirement account? Like, do I have an emergency savings? They did not teach us. Yeah. Why wasn't this taught in school? Yeah, no, I mean... Yeah, the education system is lacking some like basic life skills that we all need. But that is one of the things too that I think is really scary about entrepreneurship and that is a benefit of working for someone else is the money and the reliability. It's like, I know when payday comes around, whenever that is for you, every week, every month, every two weeks, whatever, I know how much money Well, not everyone depends on how you work, but (laughs) for many people, you have a sense of like how much money roughly you're going to make. Either Mm -hmm. it's a salary, so it's a fixed amount, or if you're doing hourly wages, you kind of roughly know how many hours you tend to get each month. So there's some reliability there. Some employers also have retirement accounts. Some of them might even have matching dollars where they're just giving you free money, insurance, all of these things. And so if you're doing it alone, you have to figure out all of that stuff. And like, once you start unraveling it, and I've seen this up close through when I have been 
like a contract worker and not a full-time employee. And I've had to like figure some of that out on my own or I've worked at several small companies in my career. So I've like seen the entrepreneurs or the small business owners do it up close. It's so expensive. Like you can't say, oh, at my nine to five, I make $50,000 a year. So as an entrepreneur, I just have to make $50,000 a year and I'll be the same. Uh uh uh. Because when you add the retirement, the insurance, da da da, making 50K mm-hmm. as an employee could end up being like, I need to make 65 or more than that as an entrepreneur to make the mm-hmm. same amount of money take home at the end of the day. And it's like all of those little things like you just don't think about that when you start like, you know, doing the numbers and like pulling it together, you're like, wow, this actually isn't as straightforward and easy as I thought it was. (laughs) You know, and I'm so curious, right? Like how, because people have figured it out mostly, question mark. Like, I feel like, I mean, because I would put influencers under the entrepreneur umbrella, right? Like they do work from themselves. Like they partner with brands and things like that, but they, you know, I consider them entrepreneurs. Um, And I don't know, we're in this like season of influencer all over the place. And, and I've seen a lot of successful influencers and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm curious, like, I don't know what they've learned. I I really want to get an influencer on here, honestly, because I just like want to unpack that of like understanding like how somebody deals with not knowing when you're like what your paycheck is going to be and taxes and paying yourself and, and all this stuff. Because um, I mean, I've seen like a lot of influencers online sort of give a heads up to like, Hey, other influencers, if you're dealing with a brand partnership, make sure you put this in your clause so that you get paid by the certain date. And so there's just like a lot of lessons learned there. Um, I'm, I just totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> How they figure <laughs> it out. Yeah. And I, honestly, yeah. a lot of the people I listen to or see almost every, whether it's an influencer or like an entrepreneur, almost all of them will tell you that they made major mistakes in the first year or two. I don't know any, mm, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. People who are like, Oh, I just got it right. <laughs> like right off the bat. But most <laughs> Good for you. Right? (laughs) Most people I know, though, are like, yeah, I thought I was putting away enough money for taxes, but I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that narrative a lot. Every single person is like, no, I tried to be really good and like have my bookkeeper keep the figures different, get an accountant as my first hire. And they're all like, you know what? Somehow that those first like one or two years, I still messed up and I owed money or I did this wrong or I missed the quarterly filing deadline because I thought there was, you know, like there's just, it's so complicated that I think in my mind, I'm like, I just have to resign myself to knowing that like, you're going to mess up the first year or two. So just keep a big cushion. (laughs) And also again, I think for me, what I really like about nine working in nine to fives right now is that I think working in a nine to five, if you're smart about it, can prepare you to be an entrepreneur because it 
I have learned things mm. being on quote unquote the other side of that like seesaw that I would have never thought about. You were talking about influencers and you know like clauses and contracts. I have done work where like I've been part of the brand or company that's brokered that relationship and so I've seen the contracts. And like the things in some of these contracts, I was like, yeah, you really need to have a lawyer or someone who understands how this works. Some of these companies are like, oh, yeah, our payment terms are net 90 days. If you're working for yourself, I can't wait three months to get paid for an Instagram post I posted three months ago. You know, like there are just so many things like that, that if like you're trying to plan your monthly budget, you're like, how do you even do that? You're like, listen, work I'm doing half a year ago, I'm just now getting paid for. Or all, you know, it's just, I think if you're smart, if you're someone who really wants to do it on your own, I think you should really just like kind of nose around your nine to five and be like, let's just see what's going on and what I can learn. Because I have just seen things that I was like, I would have never even thought that this could be a consideration that now I'm like, huh, if I were to work for myself, keep in mind that these are some of the contracts I might have to sign, especially if I want to work with companies of a certain size that are with a certain budget. Mm -hmm. So, you know, factor that in or recognize that these are some of the challenges that companies have, you know, at a certain stage. And so factor that, you know, there's a lot of new like things to factor in I would have never thought about until like seeing it from the, the inside. And we've talked about this before in other episodes around the community aspect of things, the networking and um, being able to ask yourself like the asking other people the hard questions, um, mistakes that they have learned and and things like that, you know, and and just and if you are an entrepreneur, that willingness to share, I so appreciate the influencers. Um, I'm just using them as an example for entrepreneurship right now who share their stories and are really honest and transparent online about it of like, here's the mistakes I've made. Here's what it's like dealing with brand partnerships. Here's what I recommend. Here's what I don't. Um, also, so the, the, I don't want to give too much away because Eric and I are in like our planning phases of our life, but and this is not our like marriage podcast here, but <laughs> one, you know, we've been really open with each other around like the season we're in. And, you know, right now I would say in this podcast episode, I, in my life am in the nine to five phase and Eric is in his, his version of a nine to five in the hospital, but we have like a pretty lofty goal that we're you know, pretty focused on right now to maybe eventually get at least one of us off that traditional career path so that we can set up ourselves and, you know, set up some generational wealth, be able to test the waters in real estate and things like that. And that's sort of like our version of entrepreneurship. And we recently, there's, um, to give you some of the secrets away, LOL. But there's this guy online that we follow and his name is Thatch, Thatch Win. And he, we just, we literally just participated in one of his, um, like, I don't know how to explain it. Not exp- like webinars, essentially. And 
some of his advice for because like he's like a self-made entrepreneur self-made millionaire he owns like hundreds of properties and things like that i don't think if i don't think we're ever going to get on like thatch level entrepreneurship but just enough so that you know we can not necessarily have to depend on a paycheck and quote live paycheck to paycheck and you know be able to invest in the right places and build wealth right like we don't want to be rich we want to be wealthy we want to build wealth um and he's just i mean even if you're not into real estate i think just thatch is someone to follow for understanding the type of like gumption he brings and the passion he brings to not only set himself up to be a millionaire but like he his passion is really extending that across like he is from an immigrant family like he came here at 10 years old he was in um you know he didn't grow up like with money and and so he's like very very passionate about ensuring that wealth can be shared and and spread across and all that's good stuff so like he is definitely an entrepreneur that like i look to and and i sort of have a goal with but um sometimes the season it's just not the season for like even though that's what i want to do i we can't just like quit our jobs and do it and so the stability the reliability of the nine to five is nice and I like, you know, like you're what you said, like using that phase as an opportunity for learning and for us too of like, okay, this sounds really nice right now, but is that actually what I really want? And having that steady paycheck is nice while you're making up your mind, while you're trying to figure things out, while you're on this piloting journey. Um, some of us might have the luxury of just being able to have that time and um, not necessarily have to worry about money or a paycheck or rent or things like that. Um, I wish I did more of that exploration when I was younger, when I didn't have to worry so much about so many uh, bills. I know. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Or understood what investments were, what a high yield savings was. Um, and so I'm just playing catch up now in my 30s. But yeah, I, I think, I don't know, as we sort of like near – the end of the episode, like team entrepreneurship, team nine to five. I, I don't think it's black and white. And I think there's a time and place for both to work. I don't look down upon people who decide one way or another. Um, my heart, like definitely, I think feels more like entrepreneurial of just the fact of like having that sort of ambition to ask mm-hmm. for more yeah you know and like and work for more and and building wealth and um kind of like changing up the traditional ways that we work and that we earn money like I think my heart is like in that I think I am entrepreneur minded and spirited um but I you know it's smart to to think about things in practice and in theory. And so in theory, I'm like entrepreneurship, 100%. In practice, um, knowing myself, I think I'm still in the learning phase of like, let me, can I just continue to have the security blanket of a nine to five? Even though as I say that out loud, 
this is coming from someone who was laid off. So there is still like a lack. <laughs> so much security. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like sitting here like saying this and I'm like, girl, you literally got laid off. Um, and yeah, where's that paycheck? So there are some instabilities of having a nine to five. Yeah. And having people and you having all your eggs all your money eggs in one basket and then that getting ripped away from you and you not having any control over that and for me at the time like not really having a backup like you know what I mean it's like I have like five properties that are still accruing you know revenue and income yeah like and that's partially why we want to get into the real estate game because of that right like building stability passive income's the dream Um, whatever that looks like for you and i yeah how are people making money when they sleep i know that's that's the ultimate goal and i'm glad we didn't Uh. end the episode without you mentioning your lay not like i'm glad you mentioned your layoff but i i I am we can laugh about it now (laughs) clearly we didn't hesitate (laughs) i don't actually renee like you lit i you guys, I think the podcast knows this. Like, Renee was with me, like, when I got laid off. Like, she was, like, we were in this, like... It was beautiful beach. Beautiful <laughs> Beautiful weather. And she was with me when I opened the freaking email. Um, I mean, we were laughing about it the next day. So... <laughs> I mean, there's always something. I guess, like, we didn't think we were going to have vacation with, like, nothing. Like, <laughs> I'm like, the stability of a nine to five, but you yeah. might get laid No, off. but that is true, though, because I think that is, we talk about unromanticizing entrepreneurship. I think that is the big piece of unromanticizing the nine to five that I mm-hmm. am aware of is that this idea that it is always stable, because to your point, it's not. I know many people who have been laid off from jobs, not fired necessarily, but just laid off money issues, restructuring. It's not a reflection of your performance or ability. It's, you know, and so that is, that is a challenge. Whereas if you're working for yourself, yeah, that's not to say that you'll always have clients, customers, you know, projects, but it just feels like you have a little more control. You're like, I can hustle my way into a quick buck if I need to, and not Mm -hmm. hustle in a shady way, like very legal, like appropriate way (laughs) whereas if you're only tied up in the nine to five and that falls through you really do have to start from scratch again so I think there there are Mm -hmm. pros and cons to both I mean I guess as I think about my final thoughts of where I I land I'm I'm very similar to you and that I think timing is everything I know people like at one of my previous jobs my manager was someone who worked for herself the first few years of her kids' lives because she just wanted to be at home, like be more of like that hands-on caregiver parent while still earning income. And then as they got a little older, she wanted to transition out of that constantly chasing work mindset and kind of go to a go to a nine to five where the work would be there. She wasn't constantly hunting, you know, and and and, and there are phases of your life where like, I want to be a hunter. I want to eat what I kill or like, yeah, eat what I kill, we eat what I catch. And then there are times where I'm like, I want to go to a buffet. I, I like, I don't, I don't want to be out there <laughs> spearfishing. 
like, just just tell me what's on the menu and I'll make do. <laughs> You know, and so you just, it, it's, you know, like what, what mood you're in. And I think for me, like you said, I'm enjoying nine to five life right now. I'm, I'm making the most of it. I I'm in a situation that I enjoy, but I think what's really attractive to me about entrepreneurship still is that I am someone who has like really, you said lofty dreams that you and Eric have. I, I think your dreams should mm-hmm. be lofty. I think like I can't imagine a life without like big ideas or or big dreams. And yeah. and I saw this quote once on a poster in a thrift store, and it's always stuck with me. And I think it's why entrepreneurship is like this little flame that won't go out. It says, if you don't build your dream, someone else will hire you to help them build theirs. And uh it's just yeah. like, you're right. Like right now when I'm working for someone else, I am supporting their dream and I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to be in service and to support and like mm-hmm. use my skills in this way. But I do want at least once in my life to have that experience of I am building my dream and I'm not compromising. I'm not fitting it into someone else's project. I'm mm-hmm. able to just 100% say, okay. This is what I want to try and what I want to do. And whether it succeeds or fails, it's fully mine. And I think that's that's why mm-hmm. I, despite how unromantic it is in reality, I can't, I can't let it go. <laughs> but I think like once we remove that facade of glamorizing the idea of entrepreneurship and we can actually live in the reality of it, it can become a reality, right? Like- mm. I mean, it's like romantic relationships. Like, it's not – we are not Prince Charming. He's not going to come on a white horse. You know, like, relationships are work. You know, like, it it, it takes grit. It takes compromising. It takes understanding. It takes empathy. It takes a lot of the things that Disney movies do not explain – or. Uh, previous Disney movies, princesses, you know, Prince, all that stuff did not explain very well. Um, <laughs> and it, we just got to like the, the altar and we had no discussions of post-altar. But and, and sort of the same with romanticizing entrepreneurship. We but in a different way, like we we see what's on stage and we're not getting the behind behind the, the curtain look. And I think the more we pull back that curtain, I think it's not going to shy people away from entrepreneurship. I think it's actually going to help empower people. Um, and so I, you know, yeah. I, I like seeing that. I like seeing the, this is what didn't work for me. Here are the hard parts. And then I'm able to then make that decision. If I'm willing to go through that hard part to get to the other side of entrepreneurship or to, to work hard, to, achieve these quote lofty dreams um so yeah I mean I guess my last thought is like not getting lost and the romanticizing of it really living in reality of it because I think it can be a a reality for a lot of people um and I would love to see that for our society honestly I would love to see more successful small businesses you know startups and things like that um where we're not always being monopolized by the large companies (laughs) 
Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, listen, a, a large company, I, I have to remind myself that a large company started as a small company one That's day. That's fair. And so not all large companies are awful. Some of them. That's fair. Me. But not all of them. Um, they're not all monsters. I, I, they're not all monsters. And I think, I think when I think about like me and our listeners and, you know, just people who are on that journey, again, just like listen to your heart and listen to what, what excites you and like what your dream is. And if, if you can fulfill that dream by going it alone, don't shy away from it. Like you said, people are being transparent. They're sharing lessons learned. They're mm-hmm. sharing advice and lean into that. But if, if when you listen to your heart, your dream is like, I don't need to do that. I can be fulfilled and excited in a, I don't want to say a supporting role, but just, I think my skills work best in improving someone else's system, making things better, mm-hmm. helping things grow. Entrepreneurs need that too. And I don't think you should feel any, any shame that your dreams are any less big because it involves working for someone else. Yeah. If that's what is going to make you happy, I lean into that too, because you're helping someone else and that it's just good karma. You know, like you help me, I help you. We both do what we want, that what we shine in. And I think that's just, that's the goal. I just want everyone to be happy. What did we say in our, like <laughs> our trailer? Everyone should wake up feeling excited about yeah. their life every day. Yeah. And, and normalize. I, I, I truly believe that. And normalizing both. Both teams, Mm -hmm. both team entrepreneurship, both, you know, day job, quote, nine to five. Um, And I've seen like some really good videos and mix of both. Like I'm not hard on either. I'm not, you know, there's some like on TikTok, they're like, let's normalize, you know, just wanting to go to work and then going home and then having, you know, my, my life. And then also not normalizing that everyone is bound to be an entrepreneur. Um, and that, yeah, we have, we each have unique roles and just trying to figure out, um, where we fit in all of that. But I guess I, we didn't really land on a team. We're team both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, team do what makes you happy, yes. <laughs> whatever that looks like and whatever season it, it could be both for you or it could be no, no desire to be an entrepreneur. I only want to work for someone else. That's fair. That's and you can do both in life. <laughs> that's great. You can do both or you can only do one yeah. and that's great. um well are there any brands or any people you're giving gold stars to this week Um, any entrepreneurs (laughs) oh I should have done that I I didn't so zero pressure (laughs) I did not do yeah oh I should have done entrepreneurs no um (laughs) and a completely Talking about unglamorous, um, so my <laughs> my gold star goes out to a floss brand. <laughs> oh my god, Renee! Hold on, that I'm gonna, I love. Okay, I'm gonna let you finish, and then you're gonna lol Coco- mine. Okay, <laughs> Coco floss. I love Coco floss. I my dentist used it for me. Like I got at my dentist the first time, maybe two or so years ago, and there's just something about this floss. It's like. It's a little waxy, but it's also thicker. So, I mean, not to get into the nitty gritty, but like you can really feel like a cleaner feeling <laughs> when you use it in your teeth. Yeah. And I I just love it. I've used it religiously. It's the only floss I use in the past several years. I just bought like 
a couple more refills because um, they had a Black Friday sale. What's great too is like you can get like the floss container and then you can just buy a refill of like the floss spools. So it, it is has that sustainability, um, refillable, like reduced plastic, reduced single use plastic um, packaging. And I'm just a fan of the brand. So Coco Floss is my gold star. <laughs> What's yours, Melissa? Well, I feel like it's not dissimilar. Um, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm baffled because sorry. Your gold star is floss. My gold star is a toothbrush. I'm not even stop. I'm not even joking. I was like, wait, what? So, um, I guess it's this we really share a brain sometimes. <laughs> this segment is really for the sustainability like dental hygienist. Because uh my gold star goes to a brand called Surrey. S-U-R-I, and the website's Tri-Surrey, S-U-R-I, and A, um, they're very, like, aesthetic-looking toothbrushes, but they're electric toothbrushes. They Mm -hmm. really stand on the pillars of sustainability, and so you can, like, you know, it's an electric toothbrush, so you can remove the brush head, and they're all, like, plant-based, recyclable material. And so when mm. I first bought the toothbrush, like they even send you a bag so you can send in the toothbrush when you replace when you replace the brush heads. They come in like really soothing calm colors like winter fern and morning waves, which is like sage and like <laughs> this like really calm blue. Um, but my favorite part about this toothbrush is a, the time, I think a lot of toothbrushes do this with like the timing. So you get 30 seconds on each segment of your mouth. We're totally yeah. geeking out about dental hygiene right now. Um, I love it. But you can buy this like UV charging case for the toothbrush. Um, and I'm like, yeah, because like every time like, I, you know, you leave your toothbrush on the sink, you're like, is it really getting clean? Ah. But it comes with yeah. like a little UV charging case. Um, and they are a certified B core if you're into that, which basically means they go through like these rigorous um, – not not tests, but these like they have to uh, go through their certification um, every certain year, and they have like certain subjects on like sustainability and are there people being paid fairly, treated fairly, all that. And so um, they do have their B Corp certification. Um, yeah, that's my that's my that is <laughs> insane to me. Um, quick tangent. I love talking about dental hygiene. Um, I actually, like my one of my coworkers used to joke that anytime we had like a team outing, like somehow people would end up talking about like toothbrushes or like tooth care. And I was like, oh, that's probably me. I just like love talking about my floss. That is See, I mean, crazy. You do it every day, twice a day. Like it's a huge part of your life. Like what things you use. And I'm, I've been using this for like four months now. So I can like officially give it a thumbs up. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I also just, I, your teeth are important. I love a good smile and mouths are actually like something that I like notice a lot on people. So I think that might mm. also be why I, um, I'm into it. So if you're in the market for a new toothbrush yeah. or floss, we got you covered here at Piloting. <laughs> <laughs> and just for the record, Renee and I are huge on tongue scrapers. We're like team tongue yes. scrapers. So anyway, that's for another day. Yeah. We'll give you our, our whole like oral routine. Yeah, if anyone wants our nighttime dental routine, like, let me know. 
got to brush your teeth with us. Um, put that in the Patreon. No, I'm just uh, <laughs> Um, What are you manifesting this week? Um, okay. Switching gears. My manifestation was from a pin I saw on Pinterest. And Cute. it was titled Changing Our Internal Narrative. Um, and so it has like a column. It's like from to. And so I'm just going to read a couple. Changing our internal narrative from I feel stuck to I get to make a choice. From I'm a failure to it's okay to make mistakes. From I can't to I can try. From I'm broken to I'm human. I don't need fixing. From I hate my body to my body is my home. From I'm exhausted to I need rest. I'm alone. I have myself. From I'm sad to what do I need? And this one just sort of like stopped the scroll for me when I was reading it because I'm pretty sure in that from column, I have said several of those things probably in several times during the hour and that I really do have control over what I'm telling myself and that is the most important thing. So yeah, reframing. I really like that. I I really loved the first one from I feel mm-hmm. stuck to I get to make a choice. I think that is that is such a powerful reframe. It's like I now have the opportunity to choose to do something different. Um, and a good piloting reframe too, right? Feeling unstuck. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. So yeah, I love that. Um, my manifestation this week kind of builds on like what we've been talking about. Um, as we get towards the end of the year, I'm getting ready for my like self-reflection, 2024 goals, like what are my pivots and like growth going to look like? And I think what I'm manifesting this week is kind of a riff on the quote I shared earlier, but you can't rely on someone else to fulfill your dream, you know? And whatever that means, it's like, if I know that this is what I want to go after, it doesn't just mean, oh, I got into this school and now that will take care of the dream for me. Mm. Or I got signed to this record label, that will take care of it. Or I got this prestige job it's like no it's 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 still my responsibility um or I have the opportunity to really be in the driver's seat of how my dream comes to life and to just not forget all of the power that I have to shape my reality you know so I just want to hang on to that this week as I like start looking ahead to the next year, all the things I want to do. And, you know, don't, don't put it in someone else's hands. Like it's my dream. I should treat it with care. Yes. I love that. I love that. And like, (laughs) I'm really excited about 2024. I feel like the, I think the energy that we're bringing in for this podcast has put me like, just like in a really good mindset for, for 2024. Me too. The podcast really does help with my mindset a lot. So I'm very grateful for it. Um, I'm grateful for you for showing up every week, Melissa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, we're doing it. And our listeners too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it, I feel like I get so much out of it personally. <laughs> <laughs> On a personal note, I don't know what y'all are getting out of it, but we're getting out a lot. <laughs> we're getting a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah. And 
Go ahead. I was going to actually share a reminder about next week's episode. Um, I see you nodding your head, so you probably... (laughs) No same page. Take it away. (laughs) Uh, No pun intended. Um, So speaking of pages and books, next week is a book club episode, and we get to hang out with Matthew McConaughey's book. (laughs) green lights <laughs> one day one day uh lo- speak, talking about lofty dreams we're gonna have matthew mcconaughey on this podcast i'm gonna say it um, can't wait but until we do we're gonna read his book green lights which is um, a number one new york times bestseller uh so i'm excited to hang out with him i might have to like order the audible version as well for obvious reasons yeah, I bet it's probably a really good audiobook too. Like his voice is so distinct. <laughs> what is it? All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> it's three, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thanks again, Elle, for today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and excited to hear about your journeys with your nine to fives or entrepreneurship or if you're doing something in the middle. Uh, let us know. Like we want to support you. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. All right. Have a good one. Bye.